my father was a pastor. He had come over from Japan um, ar around the turn of the century. And, <clears throat> and he wanted to study advanced farming. But then, before he got to Canada, the ship propeller fell off. So here... Just making sure your microphone is turned on. Okay. This is hers. The other oh, the other one here. I'm sorry. Should I start over? Okay. I'm sorry. I'll start over. <laughs> I'm a PK, preacher's kid. <clears throat> My father came from Japan around 18, uh, 1900, shortly after that, to study advanced farming. So then, about uh, seven or 800 miles off of Canada, the ship fell off with no radio and storms coming in. The, the passengers, there were about a hundred of them, they, they didn't believe in God. My father was a Buddhist. He didn't believe in God either. But no matter who it was, they were praying to some God. And after about seven or eight days, they thought they would die out there. The winds were blowing them toward Alaska. But a ship must have heard their little horn because they had no radio at that time. And so, <clears throat> and so they're towed into Vancouver and uh, they took another ship a couple of weeks later down to, down to San Francisco where my father, he had a hard time. Imagine coming in 1900 to learn advanced farming so he thought he'd better learn the language. So there's a Mrs. Smith, a devoted Adventist schoolteacher who taught the Japanese immigrants every day. But on Friday, she gave free Bible lessons. So my father, he thought, well, I'm a Buddhist. I'm not going to change. But I want to know what's making her tick. She was so sweet and kind. But out of that, uh, I think four, four of the five or six young people became pastors and dad became one. He died at a little over 100 years of age. But his burden over and over again, he says, in Japan they have less than 1% Christians. We need to do something. That was the burden of his life. And he wrote five or six books and he distributed them to Japan, South America and to America having to do with <clears throat> Bible doctrine and our church is God's remnant church experiences of people who became Christians etc. So he, he published around 200,000 of them and distributed them. So I was looking on internet the other day, and I was thinking, well, I wonder how many religions we have in America or in the world. And I was, and one article said, well, there are 22 major religions, but there are one one 
writer said there are 4,000. Another said there are 4,000. Yeah, and another said 30,000. So, in this world of confusion, we have been commissioned by God. And here I'd just like to read a quotation by Mrs. White on the Patriarchs and Prophets. Abraham's affection for his children and his household led him to guard their religious faith, to impart to them a knowledge of the divine statutes as the most precious legacy he could transmit to them and through them to the world. So the prophets of old imparted these divine statutes after Abraham and even beforehand. And Jesus came and he gave the same commission to us. And this Abraham felt was the most precious, precious legacy that he could have his children and to tell us. So I'd like to relate a few things, a few stories. You know, I, I arrived here last night, and I'm sorry I missed it, but at least I had the CD, uh, the CD of the program that Pastor Wilson gave. But in trying to follow the Medscape, Medscape I missed a couple of freeway. I, I had to make, to make a left turn, but I couldn't because there are cars in the left lane. So I missed a freeway, and I missed another freeway. So it took a little bit of effort. So this morning, my brother-in-law, who's my classmate in Escondido, he, um, we left early this morning to get here for breakfast. But we watched that med, medscape, the turn right here, turn left, turn right here, left, so many miles. But we finally got here without any mishap. In the world with over 30,000 religions in the world, we're privileged because God has chosen us a spiritual legacy. And as Ms. White says, a knowledge of the divine statutes is the most precious legacy that we have. <clears throat> Isn't that wonderful? Of all these 30,000 religions, God has chosen us. It's awesome. And I'm so thankful that <clears throat> we have the privilege of doing what little we can. I personally feel that what I've done, I'm 85 now and I'm still in part-time part practice, but <clears throat> is less than a drop in the big ocean of people in the world today. And yet, I'd like to uh, mention just a story that Marjorie Lewis Lloyd in 1980 in the, by the Pacific Press, she told a story of a cat with a kitten in the nap of the neck. And she was at the, one of the busiest corners, street corners in the world, and that's Broadway and 42nd Street. So the, the cat would step down and then step back because there's buses, taxis, cars just whizzing by. And the police saw that and he quickly put his hands out and stopped the traffic. 
and the cat scampered across that busy intersection. So, <clears throat> as Lloyd mentioned, in the same way, this cat didn't know that the laws of the city of New York and the state of New York were behind the cat so that it could go to safety. So as we think of our awesome God in heaven, he's holding his hands out to guide and to protect us. And I'm sure that in each of our lives we have noticed time and again how God has intervened here in each of our lives. Every morning I say the Lord's Prayer and contemplate it. And I'd just like to mention one thing. You know, <clears throat> when we talk about our Father which art in heaven, it includes everyone, doesn't it? The patients, the children, the older folk, everyone that we meet, that we come across is very important. So we have to show them the love. Some of, of obnoxious patients that we might have, they're lonely because they were brought up that way. And so we have to show them the love of Jesus. And once they're one, they'll bring many more people because they aren't used to being treated that way. Isn't that right? What a privilege we have, our Father in heaven. And hallowed be thy name. When I, was, I graduated from Andrews before it was called the Menu Missionary College, back around 1950, and at that time I had a chemistry teacher. His name was Dr. Hollins. And he told us this experience that in Battle Creek when he was there, many years before when Mrs. White was there, they were singing, holy, 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 Lord. You, you know that hymn, right? But then she stopped everyone and said, no, 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 no. She says, when we sing holy, 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 we're in the presence of an awesome God. Revelation 4.8 says, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Isn't that beautiful? And so it's amazing that he has chosen you and me to, his, to be his representatives on earth. And it's awesome to know that. And to carry on the divine statutes and to share this with other people. Thy will be done on earth as it in heaven. I like that part because in um, Romans 8, 26 and 27, it says, we don't know what we should pray for. So the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us according to the will of God. The next verse, Romans 8, 28, is all things work together for good to them that love God to those who are called according to his purpose. And so I set my plan for this day, but dear God, please change it any way you want. Isn't that wonderful? We serve an awesome God with his hands out there. And I like the text in the Bible that says, when we accept Jesus, he holds us in his hand. The Father in heaven holds us in his hand. No one can take him out other than if we choose to walk out. What a wonderful, loving God that we have. So, <clears throat> thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. So I try to sing myself, to sing myself, you know, about asking Jesus to come to my heart. And then ask for the Holy Spirit, because Jesus is in heaven, but he speaks to you and me through the Holy Spirit. Isn't that right? And then, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so with all these different forces in the world to lead people astray, we have the Bible, right? And it shows us the way. So we're safe. And I really had to study this morning to turn right, turn left, three-tenths of a mile here. We got here without any mishap. But last night we had a hard time. But he's given us a guide. And it's so wonderful to have this guide with us. And <clears throat> the Lord sent us Mrs. White, a spokesman for God, right? So it is God speaking to us. And so as I talk to patients about medical problems, then I'm just so thankful for the truths that we have. The truths that we have, the world is beginning to find out 100, 150 years later. Yeah, fruit and vegetable diet is the best, right? Are you with me? Isn't that awesome? And, and so as, as we witness to patients from day to day, I'm so thankful that we have the Bible truths and the health message. <clears throat> forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive our trespasses. That's what the Catholic Bible says. So those principles are so good. And then forgive us and then lead us not into temptation. And I'd like to just mention two things about two mistakes that I've made in life. Can I mention that to you? I spent over 30 years <clears throat> in different parts of the world, my wife and I. But after seven years in South America, <clears throat> I came back and I went into private practice for eight years. But then I, I went to um, an emergency room in Arcadia, Southern California, Al Alhambra. And there were several Adventist fellows, fellows and uh, some other doctors there, and they're all investing in uh, one doctor's company, whatever it was, I don't know what it was. And so it sounded so good that I had saved $1,700 in, in, after seven years in South America. That was my life savings, <laughs> okay? And I put, quickly put it in there. On Monday, that was Friday, it took a Friday afternoon. On Monday, it was worth less than half. So I learned a lesson. Ms. White says, don't invest in stocks and bonds. And I remember I, I went to a medical meeting in, New York, in um, Boston and one of my classmates, and he told me that he lost everything that he had in real estate, I mean, in stocks and bonds, and another classmate in California had done the same. Another lesson that I learned was when I was in practice in eight years in California, the Lord blessed with finances, 
And so there was a gold mine in Northern California. And so we went up there and had lots of big equipment and the gold mine right next to there was making good money. So I spent five, we spent $5,000 to get it out of litigation and <clears throat> another $5,000 deposit with the understanding that if I did back out, then they'd give me the $5,000 back. To make a long story short, before I started pouring money into that, I thought, I better check to see what Mrs. White says. Well, I was shocked to see what she said. So I called Dr. Philip Ching. He, he is a family practice doctor, class of 1928. I said, Dr. Ching, I've, I'm just going to go invest in the gold mines. Um, what do you think? Well, he says uh, he was a follower of Ms. White. So she says, uh, let's see what Ms. White says. So I, I brought out those quotations that she had said. She talked about a young man in Australia who was invested in a gold mine. But then um, he said, when I, when I make money, I'm going to come back. But she never heard from him again. So then he said, well, what does she say? And Ms., Ms. White says, have nothing to do with gold mines. I said, but I'm going to give all the profits to the Lord. He said, what does that Read that again. And so I read it. He said, okay. I got the message, have nothing to do with gold mines. So I went home and I called them and they sent me the $5,000 back. Shortly after that, they called me and said, all that heavy equipment, the mining equipment, everything else has been stolen. Second Chronicles 2020 says, Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. Isn't that wonderful? That you and I have someone to give us guidance in this day and age. I'd just like to mention a, a few things, but I'd just like to mention before I see my patients each day, I'm, I'm part time, I'm covering for six doctors in private practice, um, their family practice. But I always say this, and it's Psalms 19.14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable unto thee, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Then I say another prayer. Even in front of the um, patient's door, I say, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good work and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So as I see the patients from day to day, that is my prayer. So whatever I say, I only say it because I want to glorify my Father, which is in heaven. Isn't that right? So I'd like to mention one patient. His name is John. And uh, he worked in a ship repair facility in Guam. And one day I was called and he had a needle. And to make a long story short, he had slammed his hand on the, on the ironing board where the needle was, and he broke the needle. So the ER doctor had a hard time finding it. Spent quite a bit of time, and so finally they called me to the ER, and I took him to the x-ray, and we took it out. But I said, uh, 
why, why don't you come to the emergency room next week and have the sutures removed? He says, sure. And then while I was taking out the stitches he, stitches, he looked at me and says, Doc, can I ask you a question? Do you believe in Easter? Yes, I think it's a good time to talk about Easter, but it's a pagan holiday. He says, that's right. I got into this, this broken thing because of that. And what had happened was he had a broken button, and, and he had promised uh, his mother that he'd go to the, to, to the uh, cathedral on Easter Sunday. But he said, Mom, I, d I don't believe in, in, in Easter Sunday anymore because I've been reading up on it. And she said, well, if you really believe the Bible, it says you're supposed to honor your mother and your father. <laughs> okay, all right. So then... Um, he said, okay, I'm going to go, but he was a little bit upset on Easter Sunday. So his, he was so upset that his wife just sat, put the needle on the ironing board and just sat down. He says, I told you to hurry, bang. <laughs> so it broke off. So anyway, um, they, they waited the country. Then when the mother came, she says, I, I want you. Oh, no, we're not going to go to the cathedral. I'm going to take the emergency room. The wife told, told her about this needle problem. Huh, well, I guess maybe God doesn't want me to go anyway. So anyway, that's how I met him. But he says, you know, I have been going to seven different churches trying to find answers to the question. He had a stenography book full of questions. And he says, I, I just, I'm about ready to give up on the Bible. There's nothing more that I can stand. You know what I mean? And so I said, well, I love questions. So then we met on Friday night. And so he and his wife and a couple of co-workers were there. So he started going. And then we'd give him the answer from the Bible. Wow, this is the first time I found the answers that I've been looking for. He says, I want to go to your church tomorrow. Well, tomorrow's Saturday. Yeah, but I want to go. So I, I, I told him that there's a larger church in Agonia, but uh, we have a smaller church in the clinic. He says, well... I thought he'd go to the larger church, but he came to the clinic church. And I remember the sermon, the rich man and Lazarus, or the, the rich man and the publican. And after he says, boy, that was a good sermon. He said, I have some more questions I've written down. So then the next question was, uh, I'll tell you what, why don't you come to my home? So he came to my home and we answered so we went over the questions. The first question is, why do you keep the Sabbath? So I just showed him from the Bible. He says, that's right. There's no question about that. And ultimately, he became a Seventh-day Adventist. Isn't that wonderful? There's another lady called Beverly. And, and, and uh, we were having a Bible study with a couple, two couples. And uh, we finished at 11 o'clock at night. And says, Doc, he says, I have a question. Yes. What is a 666? He says, I've gone to many different churches. I've gone to priests, and I've spent years, and I can't find an answer. Can you do it? Just give me one or two words, and I'll give you the and and, uh, and I'll tell you the answer. I said, no, I mean, she said, give me the answer. I said, well, I can't tell you in one or two words. It'll take a couple of hours because I need to go over, build a foundation before I mention what it is. So she says, well, why not now? 
So we asked the other couple, they said, fine. So we went over Daniel 7, Daniel 8, Revelation 11, Revelation 12. At 1 o'clock we finished. He says, I finally found the answer. Isn't that wonderful? And I lost track uh, after that for a short time, but then they were ultimately baptized into our church. And they're faithful members. They own a couple of businesses there on Guam, but they're closed on Sabbath. Isn't that wonderful? And so see, one sows, but the other reaps. But the glory goes to God. Isn't that wonderful? And so I'm so thankful that God is so good. The truths of the Bible are so solid. I, I met one person in Taiwan, and he is an American, young man, about 25. And I said, how come you became a Buddhist priest? He says, well, because in my, in my church, they teach that you're going to hell and you're going to burn and burn and burn. And he says, that doesn't make any sense to me. And plus, he says, I'm not a carnivore. I'm not a carnivore. I mean, I don't eat cannibal. <laughs> Sorry. What do you mean by that? Well, in our church, they say that the bread actually becomes the body of Jesus Christ. And they, I went back and forth with the priest, and finally I just gave up on Christianity. If God is going to torture people forever, I don't want any part of it. He became a Buddhist priest. I'm sorry that I, didn't, I just met him momentarily. But there are people out there who are longing for the truth of the Bible. And I'm so thankful that God has given us the Bible, the health principles from Ms. White, a hundred years ahead of time. I had a patient oh, a couple of months ago, and he was a pastor, and he says, you know, this pastor friend of mine has had a heart attack, and after that, he had some failure, so he had to have another stent put in. So I said, oh, man, I'd love to meet him. Because you, you know the story about Esselstein, two people having a heart attack, and they've already had about 250 cases, to make it short, who have who were too, too sick to, die, um, to have surgery, and they had to go home to die, to have hospice care because the hearts were so bad. But they were placed on a vegan diet. And at the time that, that the report was written, by the way, that's forks over knives. You, you might be aware of that. But <clears throat> so the studies have shown that heart attack the number one killer in America can be reversed by diet without medicines. And then the number one killer, number two killer is cancer. And that DVD tells about a triathlon woman who had advanced breast cancer with metastasis. And she was told the only thing that you can, you can have to save your life is to have chemotherapy and radiation therapy. She refused them both. And she went to see Dr. McDougall, whom she heard about and read about. So he put her on a vegan diet. The cancer shriveled up and went away. Isn't that wonderful? So <clears throat> I told this story to a Baptist wife uh, just uh, three or four days ago. She weighed 280, 285 pounds. And 
she had been trying hard, but I told her about that story. And, and I, I, I also told her about, you, you've heard about the green, green, uh, what do you call it, smoothie revolution? Very interesting. People have lost, going on a raw vegetarian diet, they've lost a lot of weight, 50, 100 pounds. At times we have, I have patients, young children who are doing very poorly in school, have no goal in life, or those that may have finished high school and still have no goal in life, and they're struggling along. So what do you do? I just love these patients, because I like to tell them about Ben Carson. You know the story of Ben Carson, don't you? Yeah, Ben Carson came from a very poor home. He was a Seventh-day Adventist. I don't tell him that. But I, I encourage them to read his life story. Look it up on internet. Here, here was, he was getting D's and F's. But by using his time wisely and by reading, he actually became world famous and now has 50 different doctorate degrees from all over the world. There's a documentary about him uh, put out by Johnson & Johnson. So as we meet these patients day by day, it's a real privilege. You can see God working. Someone said, are you trying to save the world? Absolutely not. But God sends us patients, isn't that right? And so we have the privilege of sharing them the love of Jesus. I had one lady come to me and she says, Doc, all I want from you is a tranquilizer and sleeping pill. How about that? And then I had one this past week. And she said, I was, my mom was a Buddhist and my father was Irish. And I, I remember seeing my grandma come to me and talk to me. And so I said, well, do you believe the Bible? She says, I sort of believe the Bible, but I also believe in Buddhism, things like that. So what are you going to do with a person like that? So I asked them if they believe the Bible. And so I tell them, well, can I tell you why I believe the Bible? I was looking on the internet the other day, and it said there are 2,500 predictions or prophecies in the Bible, of which 2,000 have come true, as the Bible said, on target. Well, if the, if the Bible accuracy is 2,000, 100% true, then whatever the Bible says with 500 more prophecies in the Bible will come true. And so... As we talk to them, tears come to their eyes. One, one lady this last week, she was just crying throughout most of the time. And so when I have patients that are in that type of position, what can you tell them? And can I just share a little bit of, about what I, how I deal with them? I tell them, can you picture your car outside? Yes. Can you picture your living room at home in your mind? Yes. Well, you showed me you have 100% control of what you think. 
Oh, you're right. Now, can I tell you a story that I read many years ago? And it's, it's sort of the gist of the story was this. Two little puppies, you watch them play. And they're playing, right? 50-50 on top of each other. And the article went on to say, supposing you take one puppy, put him in the garage and close the door. Every day you go out there and give him very minimum food, very minimum water. He gets weaker and weaker, but hypothetically. But then the puppy in the front of the house, you give it everything it needs. It gets big and strong and fat, okay? Now after a month, when you let them play, now which one's going to be on top? And they'll say, well, the, the one that's bigger and stronger. I said, that's right. So the Bible, and if they believe in the Bible, says, you know, the Bible tells us the solution to many of these things. The Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. You are what you think. So, so then, um, you are what you think. And so, then um, the article went on to say, think of five things that you're thankful for. The Bible in Philippians 4 says, and everything give thanks. And so, well, I'm thankful for my wife, for, for my husband, for my family. Uh, I'm alive I'm for my parents, etc. And I said, well, you know, <clears throat> I drove up here from where it was to, to one of these outlying clinics, and I saw these cows and horses. And what do they have to eat? Grass. Well, do they have strong bones? Do they need calcium? No, they have strong bones. Do they have enough protein? Yes. Well, where do they get it? They get it from the grass. Oh, I never thought of that. And we, God loves us so much. We can eat strawberries, we can eat mangoes, papaya, you name it, right? Plums and parrot, uh, plums and prunes and and oranges and things. And no engineer could make a, an orange or an apple. And if we plant the orange seed in the ground, next year you might, a couple of years, you might have a hundred or a thousand of them. No engineer could make that. It takes a creator. And so God loves us. That's why he gave us all these things. And just, well, you're right. I never thought about that. And the water that we drink, it's ocean water that, that we can't drink. But then the way that God made it, it evaporates up against gravity, is brought here by clouds and drops by gravity, and it's pure. And if there's no rain, you just have to dig in the ground. And there's so much to be thankful for. We go on and on and on. And when they realize that there's a God that really loves them, tears come down. And they say, wow. And so at the end of this lady that, that wanted um, tranquilizers and sleeping pill, I asked, well, would you like a tranquilizer? No, I can handle it now. Would you like a, a tranquilizer? No, I can handle it. And this, this past week, the same thing. I said, do you want any? No, no, no. I think I can understand. I can handle it. Isn't that wonderful? There's so many things that we could be thankful for. The beautiful birds, the beautiful trees, 
you know, my lawn turns yellow if I don't water it, but then there's water under the ground. That's why all these trees are there. If, if they were all the same size, that would, God is a God of love and he loves us so much. And so I had an attorney, he, he smoked three packs of cigarettes a day. And I told him the little story. And, and by the way, on that story, how much do you spend a day? Well, $5 a day or what, whatever it is, or whoever the patient is. And I said, why did you make a bank? Does your wife smoke? No. Or do, or do your grandkids want to? Just whatever it is that suits the situation. And I said, why don't you get a mayonnaise jar and put secret bank? And, um, and then put, put um, your $5 a day or whatever it is. After 10 days, you have $50. You can take them out. And they'll say, well, I haven't seen you smoking very much. Well, I don't want you to have second smoke, secondhand smoke. But then after 50 day, uh, 10 days or so, you can take them out and say, can't you figure out that, what that money is? I thought you were smarter than that. Well, that's the money that was my cigarette money or my alcohol money or whatever it was. You know why I quit? Because I love you. I love you and I want to, be, I want to see you grow up and I, want to, and I want you to enjoy your grandchildren, right? And they say, hey, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, I think I'll do that. And so be it anxiety, anger, whatever it is, I just tell them that little story and they just love it. And I had one lady tell me just a couple of days ago, boy, that helps me. I'm gonna change my life. I'm gonna quit a lot of this caffeine that I talked to them about caffeine. And I'm gonna quit this alcohol and I'm gonna start over. We have been commissioned by God to share the truths of the, be it caffeine, alcohol, you know, it just happens every day. And I'm so thankful. And, and this pa pa Pentecostal pastor, oh, I, I just might mention that when I was in Taiwan, I had a Pentecostal pastor, uh, and one of, one of his um, church members was a patient of mine, so they invited me to go to their church. So I went there, and for about three or four years, every Wednesday night, I would give the prayer meeting. They say, you know what? I've learned things that I've been a Christian for 30, 35, 31 years. I'm learning things I never knew before. Our truths of the Bible are so profound, so beautiful. And so one day he said, you know, you haven't talked about the Sabbath. And they speak in tongues every, every prayer meeting. I never criticize it. But then he said, would you discuss the Sabbath? I said, of course, I'd be glad to. But I avoided it up to now. After that, he says, you're right. That's 100% right. I never knew that. But if I accept the Sabbath and if I become a Sabbath keeper, I'm going to lose all my congregation. So I, left, I had left. Well, but... When I was there, I was friends with um, another Pentecostal church pastor who had churches in northern Taiwan, and he said he had seven churches in New York. 
and he said that that at one time in one of his churches someone was speaking tongues and someone was translating and he recognized it as some as ancient Chinese language dialect and they were cursing God and said so stop it you don't know what you're translating this man is or woman is cursing God please stop he the pastor told me that before I went to Taiwan I was in Singapore and I used to go fellowship with a um, Methodist pastor youth pastor and he told me that in their church they they had uh, a division that was 25 years ago that that half believed that speaking tongues the other half didn't but he said in my church someone was getting up and spoke and someone understood the ancient dialect again in Chinese and he was cursing God and everyone saying amen hallelujah so you know we have the truth the Bible tells us what is truth and I think that's wonderful that we have the privilege of sharing and so when, when I visited the Pentecostal Church here in Fresno and he invited me to his Bible studies too he went to a couple of them men's Bibles and they loved the Lord they love the Lord. And so sometimes we Adventists don't mix with the people of the other world. But each time he's, he tells me, Dr. Nozaki, let's get together. I want to study the Bible with you. Do you see what I mean? So I'm just waiting each, whenever we have a chance, we'll get together. But God has given us a message a legacy, a spiritual legacy that we need to share with the world. I think in terms of uh, Ezekiel 33, 5-7, Jesus Christ is in heaven, but he uses you and me to share the gospel. And so what a privilege it is for you and me to be sons and daughters and king of the king of the universe. So each day, you know, I don't jog, but I understand that jogs get a high, a rush on the endorphin level. Well, each day as we see our patients, when you see the love of God melting hearts, it gives me a high. And it's, you can hardly wait. It's such a beautiful experience that you and I have of letting each one know that God loves them. And young people, when I talk about it, yeah, that's good. I'm going to start reading. I'm going to start. You know what I mean? Isn't that wonderful? And so as we stop and think of it, we have a God in heaven. And he's holding the universe. He is all of heaven's angels to watch over in you and me. With billions of people that need the Lord. He gives each one of us a guardian angel to lead and guide and the Holy Spirit to lead and guide. So I'm so thankful. It's my prayer that we may continue the work that Jesus has asked us to do, asked Abraham to do, as Jesus asked us to do. It's indeed a privilege and thank you for your patience and time. This media was produced by Audioverse for Amen. 
Adventist Medical Evangelism Network. If you would like to learn more about Amen, please visit www.amensda.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.